This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. everybody and welcome again to the Digital Agency Insiders podcast. This is the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs grew and built their digital marketing agencies. My name is Tabitha Thomas and if this is your first time listening to our podcast, I just want to say I'm super glad to have you here and if I can encourage you to go subscribe as we release new episodes each and every Tuesday with a new entrepreneur. So let's get into today's show. Today I have with me Drew McClellan. He is the top dog of both the McClellan Marketing Group and Agency Management Institute. He is the co-editor and author of Age of Conversation, as well as the host of Build a Better Agency podcast. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk with you. So you've been in advertising for over 30 years Mm -hmm. uh, and started the McClellan Marketing Group in 1995. What led you to actually starting that? What was the decision to starting that agency? Was uh, being an entrepreneur something that you always wanted for yourself or is it something that just kind of gradually happened along the way? No, I I grew up assuming that I would work at agencies and I might run somebody's agency one day, Uh, but I was uh, sort of the perfect combination of arrogant and ignorant. I was 30 years old. I was looking at my boss who I didn't like or respect and thought, how hard can it be to run an agency? So I went out on my own with a partner. Uh, We left the agency together to to start our own thing. And then we very quickly learned uh, just how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and to run an agency. But, you know, I was young and I, it just took the risk. So no, it wasn't really like, I didn't grow up thinking I will own a business someday. But now when I think about it, I mean, I've been self-employed longer than I've ever been employed anywhere. And so mm-hmm. I can't imagine now, like I, the genie's out of the bottle. I can't imagine like working for someone else ever again. I, I hear that a lot. I hear yeah. that a lot. So what got you into the advertising, uh, advertising industry in a whole? I mean, was that something you went to school for or just something that's always intrigued you? Uh, long story short, I actually went to college to be a psychologist um, and had an advisor who suggested that I wouldn't be really great at leaving my patients' problems in the room mm. and I would want to take them all home with me like a puppy. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, great. I'm halfway through college. I've taken all these classes. Now, now what? <laughs> so, you know, he sort of pinpointed things like, well, you know what? You've taken a lot of writing classes. You seem to like English and storytelling. You've taken a lot of psych and sociology. So you clearly like people. Have you ever thought about advertising or marketing? And I was like, no. Uh, and so anyway, long story short, I started taking some advertising classes and very quickly found that it was sort of the perfect mix of all the things yeah. that I found fascinating. And so never looked back after that. So I started working for Gray Advertising while I was still in college. One of my oh, wow. professors offered me a job uh, as a copywriter and just went from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So the MMG is a brand and marketing uh, communication agency working with business to business clients. Uh, will you walk us through exactly what the group has been doing so successfully for the last 25 years? Because that's that's pretty incredible, a 25-year agency. Yeah, it. Um, I, I knock on wood, it seems to be working. So that's that's good news. You're doing something right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> our our agency specializes. Uh, we focus on all of our, most of our clients, not all of our 
most of our clients are in the financial services space somewhere. So they typically are selling something to a bank, a credit union, or an insurance company. So it might be teller windows or drawers, or it might be uh, white label mortgages to a credit union. So, um, gotcha. so uh, Des Moines actually, uh, where we're based, is the number two um, location for financial institutions after Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Des Moines is a hotbed for insurance companies. I don't know why, but- I sort of say I did not know that. I learned yeah, something new yeah. today. So anyway, we sort of just fell into that expertise. I start to say, why that niche? Is it just because it's so prevalent there in your town? Yeah, well, um, before I started the agency, one of my areas of expertise was banking. So I worked with a lot of financial institution clients. And so when we started the agency, that made sense to pick it up there. And then our just our focus and specialty just grew. And um, you know, I just released a new book called Sell with Authority in January. And it's all about niching your agency down. And so that's really what we did was we just realized that we could be a lot more effective by being a subject matter expert in something specific. Mm -hmm. And now what we find is that we're so well known in that space that uh, a lot of our clients or prospects come to us rather than us having to go to them. Well, that's a, a good problem to have, not really a problem, but that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So what kind of agency training and consulting do you guys typically do to help other agency owners attract better clients and better employees? Yeah, so that's me now putting on my Agency Management Institute hat, right? Um, and so we, most of our training is actually for agency owners. Okay. Uh, one, one of the things that we find is that most agency owners are accidental business owners. So they sort of started out somehow, they hung up a shingle, they got downsized or whatever. So they're like, oh, I'll freelance for a while. And then they got busy and then they hired their first employee. And now they're like, crap, I have 10 employees and I don't know how to read a P&L and I don't know how to, how do I hire and when to hire? And so there's all these financial metrics that are specific to our industry that most agency owners don't know. And so they don't know how to run their business in a way that's going to guarantee them to be profitable at the end of the year. So we do a lot of teaching around those metrics and helping agency owners learn the, so they're, they're great at the client facing stuff, yeah. but they struggle with the back end of the business, the business of running their business. So that's what AMI does is we help them run their business better. Well, that's incredible because you hear a lot of people that help you with the client side of things, but not a whole right. lot on the business end. Right. That's, that's honestly something that's lacking. And I'm glad to hear that there's some place out there that they can go to. So, yeah. um, uh, so let's jump back a little bit to uh, 2007 because I thought this project was extremely interesting. Uh, please tell us about the age of conversation and what was the topics that was covered and how many authors were involved? Yeah. So imagine going back to 2007, hardly anybody was blogging that, you know, we were sort of figuring out what we were going to do with the internet. And there was this handful of us uh, marketers um, from all over the world that were all writing blogs. And there were so few blogs, and I know this is hard for people to imagine today, but there were so few blogs about marketing that we all read each other's blogs. We all guest posted on each other's blogs. We commented and linked. So we created this community of marketing folks um, that I was talking to a friend of mine who was a marketer. He was working at SAP at the time in Australia. And, and we, we had read some article about uh, a, 
and again, this sounds so ridiculous now, but back then about it, this idea of crowdsourcing a book. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. We should see if we can get anybody to do it. So on a lark, we just put a post on each of our blogs saying, hey, we're going to create this book. Every, we're going to give you a topic about, you know, sort of this idea of this age of conversation. So we're moving away from monologues into dialogues. And so you're, if you want to, you can write a chapter and then we're going to sell the book and we're going to donate the money to charity because I didn't want to worry about trying to pay authors back. So anyway, we had over a hundred people agreed to do the first book uh, and we ended up doing three of them. So there was an age of conversation, an age of conversation two, and an age of conversation three. uh, And we raised over $50,000 for charity water. And, um, but it was just, it was a time of where the internet wasn't quite so crowded and we were just really enjoying connecting with that, with each other. And what's amazing is we then held, we then hosted a live event in New York city where all of these people came from all over the world to hang out for a weekend. And so it was sort of like a tour group meets prom with a bunch of <laughs> marketing people, but you know, it was, it was amazing. And I will tell you that some of those people are still great friends today. I've collaborated with a lot of them. Some of them have ended up being clients. We've ended up buying and being clients of theirs. So it's a community that still is very connected. And a lot of the, a lot of the big marketing names that you hear today, the Scott Montes and the Ann Handleys and the Jason Falls, all of those people were a part of that mix back then when we all just were hanging out and talking about marketing tactics. So, Isn't that awesome? Isn't yeah, it was awesome? crazy. Yeah. So what made you pick that particular charity, if I can ask? And and what did what was what were they able to accomplish with the money they raised? Yeah, uh, we picked it because it was global. Okay. And um, we had a lot of, I think we had maybe 15 or 20 countries represented in the books. So we wanted to do a charity that actually was bigger than the US. Um, and they were able to put in wells and get safe water to lots of communities. And, um, and again, we still have a relationship with them today. Uh, that's obviously different. We don't, you know, I think the books are still on Amazon, but I'm pretty sure we haven't sold one for a while. Um, (laughs) but you know, I, every once in a while I'll flip through a copy and it's, it's fascinating. It's very much like sort of looking back in time. Mm-hmm. In terms of what we were all saying was coming next. And, you know, I mean, I mean, think about it. This was, you know, pre-Facebook, really. Pre, yeah. I mean, when you say that, you know, I mean, Twitter was like the hot new thing yeah. then. So MySpace was still around. <laughs> right. It was just, it was just a different time. And we were just trying to figure out kind of like people are trying to figure out now, like in a post-COVID world, what does marketing look like? Back then, we were sort of figuring out in this new internet age, what is marketing going to look like? How do we communicate, and how do we how do we take advantage of these new tools? And so, yeah. it was a it was a fascinating time. So, would you say you guys hit the nail on the head with that, or did it, was you like way off on what the future looked like? I I think some of the specifics probably missed the mark, but I think the the whole idea that consumers were not going to tolerate being talked at anymore, that they were going to start taking control of the conversation and that we were going to have to give them their space on the stage Uh uh, certainly has come true. Very true. Very true. So going into that a little bit, you've been fairly successful as a blogger to put that 
mildly. <laughs> You've been interviewed, quoted, or published by the likes of Forbes, New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, even the Wall Street Journal called you one of the 10 bloggers every entrepreneur should read. So what got you into writing blogs in the first place? And was it, was it a passion project or just another outlet for you to talk about your experience and things? Yeah. So I'm a, I, when I think about sort of my core professional skill, I'm a writer by trade. So I, that's how I communicate best. And mm -hmm. so, um, so it, blogging started for me. Um, we were, we started, and again, all of this makes me sound super old. I'm not as old as I sound, <laughs> I swear. But, uh, we started a, a month, a weekly newsletter, which was think 300 words, like a little marketing tip. We called mm -hmm. it the marketing minute, in fact. Uh, you could read it in a minute. And back in the day, so this was very early in the agency, the way we distributed it was by fax. And so, but, oh my God, I sound like a caveman, but- No, because but, I think I remember the marketing minute. This is yeah. really ringing a bell. <laughs> so, so, we, so we literally would start the fax machine on our way out the door, like on a Tuesday night, and then it would run all night long, and it would still be running Wednesday morning. So that eventually turned into an e-newsletter mm -hmm. as technology changed. And it also um, got me the opportunity. So I've been writing a weekly marketing column for Iowa's business journal for almost 20 years. And it started because of that fax. Yeah. The publisher of the paper got the fax, called me, asked me out to lunch and said, do you think you could write a column for maybe a year? And I said, sure, I, I think I could come up with a year's worth of stuff. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm still writing it. But um, so anyway, so when when blogging became a thing, when I started reading about it, and I, I've always believed that as technology presented itself, we as an agency, we had an obligation to experiment with it, to understand it so that we could decide whether or not it was a good fit for a client. So when blogging became this tiny little thing and like three people in the world had blogs in like, you know, 05, 06, in that time period, I was like, well, we should sort of check out this blog thing. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to me then to start writing on the blog like I was writing for our newsletter, like I was writing for my column. So it was just sort of an extension of what we already did. Um, but what was cool about it, which was really different than the newsletter or the column, was the immediate reaction you would mm -hmm. get from people. So what I loved about it was I loved the interaction and the people that would get on the comments and ask questions and, and all of that. And so that really fed, I think, my desire to make that kind of connection with readers, mm -hmm. which then led to writing books and doing other stuff. And I, and I find the same thing is true when I speak at conferences, what I like most about speaking at a conference are the conversations I have mm -hmm. right after I step off the stage, mm -hmm. where people are coming up with questions or stories to tell you or all of that. That's what I really love. So The relationship side of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so blogging has been something I've been doing for you know a long time, and, and we do it now both on the MMG side and on the AMI side, so. Gotcha, gotcha. So is there a favorite uh, topic that you've ever written about or anything that you love to cover in that blog? I think the blog post on the MMG side that still today gets a ton of traffic is there was this amazing outdoor board campaign okay. where um, basically it was, it was a, it was a brilliant 
idea by a bar. And basically the billboards were this interaction between a man and a woman. And the man, basically the first billboard was like, you know, I saw you at, I think it was Garcia's. I saw you at Garcia's, you had red lipstick on, um, will you be there again on Friday? And, and anyway, they just kept putting up these boards. And so all these people started showing up at Garcia's to see if this couple would show up and meet. And of course it was all not true, right? It was yeah. all an advertising campaign, but it was brilliant. And it, and it absolutely catapulted the, this, this retail restaurant bar location into the stratosphere in terms of popularity. And what I love about the story is just that it was great storytelling. And it was, you know, it was just building up suspense, all the things that we talk about in marketing that we should do, but it's an, it's a brilliant example of it. So that is a, I could just picture it on a highway, yep. like seeing each one after the, yeah, other. yeah. Oh, that's and, incredible. And yeah. They were, they were just, it was just brilliantly executed. And so I probably wrote about that at least 10 years ago and I still get comments on it today. So on that blog post. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So do you ever have issues coming up with topics for blog posts? Yeah, you would think that you would, right? Like that's always that, my worry. Like that's I'm, me. <laughs> like like I every once in a while I think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run out of stuff to say. But honestly, I talk to clients every day. Yeah. And so they give me plenty of material, right? They ask questions, they have worries, uh, the world gives you plenty of material. And so um I have I have yet to sit down at the computer and go, I got nothing. So thank you know, thank goodness. I do yeah. worry about it all the time, but um, I sort of figure at this point, if, if in 20 years I haven't run out of stuff, then you know, I'm curious enough that yeah. um, there's always something new to explore. And part of it is I, I give myself permission not to know all the answers. Sometimes I write a blog where I just ask questions and I just share what I'm wondering about and what I'm thinking about. And, and again, sometimes those are great that's great content to generate conversation. Yeah, very yeah. much so, very much so. So much like the blog, your podcast has been very successful thus far. So what brought Build a Better Agency into being? And do you have a favorite guest or story about the show that you would want to share with us? Yeah, so uh, it was 2015. People were starting to really think about and talk about podcasts. So in my true fashion of Huh, we better experiment with this so we can figure it out. Uh, we decided to do it on the AMI side rather than the MMG side um, because I thought um, it would give me an opportunity to talk to other people who had who are who could help agency owners sort of see a path yeah. for how to run their agency better. And so we um, we launched it in I think it was October of 2015. I padded the first probably 10 or 12 guests. So I sent an email out to my friends actually from Age of Conversation in many cases. Yeah. So, you know, the Scott Montes, the Jason Falls, the Ann Handleys, the Gavin Heatons, all those folks. And I just said, I'm starting this podcast. I know that you have either worked at an agency, owned an agency, deal with agency owners. Will you come on the show? Because I, I figured no one that I didn't know was going to want to be on the show that had no listeners, right? Like yeah. my mom was the only one that was listening at that point. <laughs> so um, thank goodness these good friends said absolutely. And so, you know, we have these amazing sort of marquee names for our first 10 or 20 episodes, which kicked us off well. 
and allowed us to start to attract an audience. And, um, you know, today, um, you know, we're, I'm just getting ready to record episode 250. Um, and I, I worried about running out of guests. That hasn't been a problem. Um, there's That's lots good to of, know. There's lots of fascinating people out there who have something to teach and share. Um, we're very stringent about our guests. If it's not somebody who can talk about how to run your business better, how to run the business of your agency better, then typically we don't have them on the show. Um, so I think that's keeping it super pure has allowed us to keep our listeners' attention. And so, you know, people will say to me, you're like a habit. Like I, every week, you, uh, I have one guy that I golf with every Monday and I have somebody else that I walk their dog Murphy with. And, and they tell you these stories about how they sort of, you know, take in the content. So again, it's about the connection and the relationship and the, and the conversation. That's awesome. So yeah. I know if I ask this, you're going to be like everyone, but has there been a favorite guest or a favorite topic that you guys have talked about on any particular podcast episode hmm. or one that stands out in your mind the most? I mean, I've, I, you're right. I've had, I'm really fortunate. I have had some amazing guests. Um, but honestly, some of the guests that have been that you would think, oh my God, that would be boring. <laughs> um, you know, like an attorney talking about IP law or uh, an accountant talking about tax strategies so agency owners can make more money and keep more of the money they make. Those are the guests that I really love because we get we can get right down into the nitty gritty of like, give the listeners stuff they can do today that makes mm -hmm. their life better. And so, you know, those are the guests that I think of all the time. And those are the guests that oftentimes when someone emails me a question, I'm like, oh, you need to listen to episode 102 where this CPA talked about tax strategy, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So those are the guests that I appreciate the most. They're, they're not the sexiest topics, but they bring such passion around them and they really change agency yeah. owners' lives. Yeah, that's awesome. To me, that would be a very difficult conversation just because personality differences in those two <laughs> industries yeah. would be right. a little bit difficult. But well, I, I will say I, I know some really fun CPAs and accountants so and and uh, attorneys. So, you know, they they are not what you would think of as the typical sort of stuffy version of that. Yeah. Because I again, I only bring people on the show. So like the IP attorney, all she does is work with agencies. So she has to be fun, right? Because yeah. she works with fun people all the time. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. So you seem to have a lot of plates in the air to say the absolute yeah. <laughs> So yes, what I do you do to relax or reset from time to time? Any tips you have for our agency owners? Yeah, I think if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. Um, so one of, one of the big ways that I, um, dial it back is with travel. So, you know, once you book a trip, you sort of have to take it. Yeah. And, um, so I have a, a daughter who is 27 and, oh. um, we set a goal about 10 years ago that we wanted to visit every continent before she graduated from, she was done with schooling. So this, this winter over Christmas, so December of 2019, we went to Antarctica, which was our last continent. Wow. So, so that, that commitment and that promise that we made to each other really has forced me to plan these big, crazy vacations 
every summer when she was off school or over the Christmas break when she was off school. So that was one thing. Um, on a much smaller scale, um, you know, I, I love baseball, so I try and catch as many live baseball games. So I'm, I'm, this spring and summer has been painful for me with oh my gosh, baseball yes. so far. So what's the team? Because I'm a diehard Cardinals fan, you know, Missouri girl. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a Dodgers fan. So okay. Uh, so I would actually often um, travel to St. Louis because I would when the Dodgers came. I yeah. Would watch the game. So yeah. Nice. So I, yeah, I try and catch the Dodgers wherever they may be at least a couple times a year, um, and you know because I travel so much for work, um, I have a lot of frequent flyer miles and I have a lot of hotel points. So that kind of, you know, Hey, I'm going to go to a baseball game this weekend travel. Doesn't, yeah. really, doesn't really cost me anything other than food. So yeah. it's a, it's a great inexpensive way for me to dial it back. But you know, like everybody else, I like to read. I like to hang out with friends. I like to, you know, do the stuff everybody does, but I will say, and this is advice I give my agency on our clients all the time. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. It's easy to work 24 seven. And I think mm -hmm. we've seen that during COVID, right? I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, when basically when you're in a lockdown situation, um, you know, one of the things that agencies have reported is how productive their teams have been during COVID. Well, it's because they didn't have anything else to do. Mm -hmm. But what they're also reporting is, you know, the stress their team is under, mm -hmm. that there's more depression, there's more mental health issues. So we not only have to take care of ourselves and make sure we, take time off, but we have to make sure that our people do too. Yes. I have actually worked from home for the last 10 years and I have learned really quickly. I have to have an office with a door so that at the end of the day, that door shuts. And if I walk by, I don't see it because if I see it, I'm going to want to sit down and actually do something. Whereas yeah, right. if you can just walk away from it, shut the door and don't go back into it till the morning, it, it usually is okay. Although yeah. phones, phones nowadays, you can't escape anything. <laughs> yeah. But you can turn off the notifications. You can put it face down you know, during yeah. dinner. I mean, I, I, I just think our clients and our employees and the world are going to be pinging us 24 seven if we let them. So yes. we've got yes. to take control of that situation and decide what our boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And, and, and our employees have to do that too. And we have to teach them how to do that because sometimes we send mixed messages and so on the one hand, we're like, oh, we want you to have life work balance. And then we're sending them emails at nine o'clock at night that they think they have to answer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for an agency owner to set a good example, but also be really clear in their expectations with their team about what is and isn't required. Yeah, that's really, really, really good advice. I've that's one thing I've tried to stick to is my boundaries. Like I'm right. very available during these times, but after that, you ain't gonna get an answer from me. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, you have to. For your sanity. That's exactly right. right. So what has been your absolute favorite part of being an entrepreneur? The one thing that has made it so worth it more than any other? Yeah, it's it's the freedom, right? It's the it's the ability to say hey, I'm going to Africa for two and a half weeks with my daughter and I don't have to ask permission. I don't have to worry about how much vacation time I have. Um, you know, when, my, when I started the agency, my daughter was in grade school. Well, she was actually, she was a baby back then. But as she got older, um, I'm a single parent. So I stopped work every day at three o'clock because I had to pick her up after school. Mm -hmm. And then we would go home and we would have a snack and then I would, and then after she either went to bed or she was working on homework, depending on her age, then I would sort of start my second shift. Mm -hmm. I would have never found a job 
that let me do that, right? So the, the freedom to work, I've never worked harder. And I certainly was not as diligent an employee as I am myself. I certainly work a lot of hours. I've made a lot of sacrifices like everybody listening to this has, but I get to do them on my own terms mm -hmm. and on my own time frame. And so that for me has without a doubt been the biggest perk of, of owning my own business. Oh, so that made me think of a question that I should have asked a while ago. What has been your favorite place to travel to since you've been to every continent? Which one's been the best? Yeah, um, we were actually we were supposed to go back to our favorite place uh, this May, but obviously couldn't. Darn COVID. COVID. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was Africa. So the the so animal safari. Yeah. Being out where there's no technology, there's no lights, there's no. I mean, you're so removed from the world we know today. And all of a sudden, your perspective is very different and you are not in charge of anything anymore. If the elephant wants to walk on that road, then you wait. If there's a lion over here, you be very quiet. Like it's, it's just a completely different world, but it, it allows, it, the perspective there was just amazing. So um, I hope that we will get back there. I know we will get back there someday, but that for sure was our favorite. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see how that would be a uh, reality shift, which would be much needed in today's yeah. environment. Yeah. It was pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So is there any books or shows besides your own that you hold in high regard that you would recommend to any agency owners? Yeah, you know, um, I think, I think Anne Handley's book, Everybody Writes, every agency owner should read. I think it's a, a reminder of the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as content becomes a bigger deal, we're writing more and more, but we're writing in lots of different formats, but we're still writing. And I think that's like a great primer for everybody to read. Uh, I love Joe Plizzi and Robert Rose's work. Um, I love their podcast. I love how they talk and think about content, not in terms of just cranking out more stuff, but in really creating this community where you're serving your audience. And, and so I'm big fans of that. Um, those are probably the ones that come to the top of my top of my mind first. That's awesome. So you're talking earlier about um, always trying the new things that's coming out. So is yeah. there anything that you see right now that is the the potential to be the next big thing in the next direction that we need to go into? You know, it's, I, I think it's certainly going to be fueled by AI. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what exactly will rise to the top. So. Um, you know, the, last year, for the first time, there was a conference called Maycon, so Marketing AI Conference. Uh, it was in Cleveland in July, uh, and it comes out of the Marketing AI Institute, um, which was fascinating. So it was a, an amazing conference. I was bummed that they had to cancel it for this year, but it'll be around next year. But they've also opened up a new academy. So it's the Marketing AI Academy. And they have all kinds of short courses specifically for agency folks. They have certifications. So I think spending some time figuring out what, what is AI already doing? Because mm -hmm. we're all using it, we just don't know we're using it. Yeah. What is it already doing? What can we do? How can we use it to be more efficient and effective for clients? I don't think in any, any way it substitutes for the human ingenuity or any of that. But I think it, I think there are things that machines do faster and better than we do. So mm -hmm. why wouldn't we take advantage of that? 
Well, if um, they can make our jobs easier, yes. Right, and we can deliver better results for clients. So I think, I think right now that's where we're spending a lot of time is sort of exploring different tools there, taking some classes through the academy and just trying to get up to speed on what's coming because it's certainly coming like a freight train. Definitely. Well, I know it's changing the way that we're writing things too. You're not writing them. You're writing them in the sense of somebody asking questions instead of right. searching right. for things. So right. definitely right. changing there. So that's like, that's like awesome. one of the, like one of the tools um, searches your website and based on traffic patterns on your website, it will tell you what content you're missing that people are looking for and can't find. I have no idea how that happens, oh, but so I'm that's thinking, really interesting. right, but I'm thinking, okay, so if I'm thinking, I, I have five ideas for a blog post and it tells me, well, they're, they want to know about this. Great. That makes that decision a lot easier. Right. Yeah. So I think it's that kind of thing where the, where it crunches the data in ways that our brains just can't. And so much faster than we yeah, can, yeah. if we wanted to, it's so right. much faster than us. And I, so. and I don't want to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's not the part of the business I love is spreadsheets and ugh, right. Yeah. 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 That's a lucky word. <laughs> right. Right. So the last question that I have for you is where do you see yourself or your company in the next five to 10 years? Huh. Um, you know, on the MMG side, we're, you know, we, I feel like we're sort of in the mature phase of the business. So I think we will, you know, I'm really lucky. So, um, you know, my average staff tenure is about 18 years. So I don't have a lot of turnover. I, you know, so on the MMG side, my goal is just to keep the machine cranking, right? Uh -huh. um, keep serving our clients, keep learning more about the industry, but really, other than what we do for clients and how we do it, I still want to do it for the same kind of clients and all of that. So, so on the MMG side, it's that. On the AMI side, I think there's more room for expansion. So, you know, I, for me, you know, we were talking earlier about sort of the financial metrics that a lot of agency owners don't know. My goal is that I can get in front of every agency owner somehow and teach them how to run their business better. My ultimate goal is to help every agency owner make more money and keep more of the money they make. And if I could get in front of everybody on the planet and do that, I have no idea how I'm going to do that, by the way. Um, but if <laughs> well, I can, I'd say you're off to a good start. <laughs> if I can do it, wouldn't that be cool to help all those entrepreneurs be more successful just by giving them some tools that they don't even know are out there? Mm -hmm. So that's I know that that's, they need. You're right. They absolutely need them. Right. But they don't even know it because they don't know they're there. So that's, that's what I hope in five years is that I've, that I've expanded the reach and that I've helped more agency owners be more successful and take care of their families and their team better. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So tell our guests or our viewers, listeners, uh, how they can get more from you. Yeah, it's probably easiest just to head over to agencymanagementinstitute.com uh, and you can find links to the podcast and the blog and our live workshops and our peer groups and all the other stuff we do. Uh, and on social media, I'm Drew McClellan pretty much everywhere. So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or wherever. And I'm always happy to chat with agency owners. I'm always happy to answer questions. So don't, don't be shy about reaching out. Um, happy to be of service if we can be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed getting to know you and learning a little bit more about uh, what you guys do over there. So thanks oh, so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. 
You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.